0: I actually have uh, driven through uh, this uh, town a couple of times uh, because I got lost <laughs> uh, in downtown Sandwich. I don't know. It just, I took a, a left turn or right turn, and then I was just doing, somehow just going U-turn and U-turn and U-turn, and U-turn for it two times, and so I said, ah, oh, this must be a special town. its It's not... <laughs> allowing me to get out of this town because I was on my way to uh, Springfield or or, uh, St. Louis somewhere. And my two, I have two teenage kids and they have been to your sandwich fair. Yeah, so this must be a a famous place. And I'm sure uh, there are some local jokes about the peculiar name of sandwich. I see some people nodding and smiling and uh, you can tell me those, not now, but, but later, after the service. <laughs> um, as a general rule, I try to say something funny. Well, from my perspective, it's funny. Um, to, to break the ice. So the first time I heard this joke, I thought it was really funny. Okay? So try to laugh, even though it might not be funny to you. Um, there were uh, a female chicken and a, a male pig. They are best friends. One day they decided to uh, go to church together. So they dress up, and the chicken, you know, female chicken is all pumped up and all excited, and the uh, male pig, you know, begins to sweat. It's obviously, you know, he was really nervous, right? And the, the chicken uh, looks at the pig and says, Hey, dude, relax, man. I mean, we are only going to church. We go to church, sing a few songs, listen to the preacher for 30 minutes, and then we come, oh, yeah, 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 we have to drop a, a, a few... Few, uh, a few dollars in the basket, and then uh, we, we uh, you know, we come home. You know, it's not a big deal, right? And and the male pig, you know, turns around and, and looks at the uh, chicken and says, "That's right. When you go to church, you make an offering, but I make a sacrifice." <laughs> Only half of you got it. <laughs> I can tell some of you. You're thinking, "What? What was he saying?" Uh, so a female chicken comes to church and drops, you know, an egg or two in the offering basket, right? But a male pig cannot. He, need, he has to give something of himself, i.e., bacon. Uh, five people still don't get it. It's, <laughs> it's, it's okay, you know. We can talk about this, and then we can, I, I'll explain more in after the service. Uh, so for a uh, female chicken... It's an offering for the pig. It's a sacrifice. Okay? And as you listen to uh, today's sermon, remember that picture. uh, Offering and, and sacrifice. And as you listen to my message, be honest and examine your attitude and ask yourself, I'm like, which one? I come to church, drop a few dollars in the basket. And I say, I pay my dues, and then I go home, like a Sunday ritual? Or are you like the pig type, I know it sounds bad, who gives something of himself to church, to the mission of God? Before I uh, delve into the text, um, today's message, I want to show you a couple of slides as a, a visual image as a visual synopsis of today's message. The first slide that is up here is foreign missionaries' graves in Seoul, Korea. So in this cemetery, there are 555 uh, foreign missionaries' graves. So these are the people who came to uh, Korea and uh, you know who uh, chose to be buried in uh, in Korea after 20, 30 years of service in the late 1890s, you know, in the early you know, five, six uh, you know, decades of the uh, 20th century. So these are you know, missionaries who came from the USA, Canada, UK, Australia, you know, basically from Western countries, right? And when my family went back to Korea uh, in 2010 with my family, I wanted to go and see the graves myself. And I wanted to show those to my children. I have you know, two teenage children, as I said. And, and as you can see, it's just a, a beautiful sunny day. Uh, and then it's got some graves. Uh, inside. well, just big, nice gravestones, right? But the next slide you're going to see there are foreign missionaries' children's graves. So in a a small plot, sunny spot, there are about 50 to 60 graves of children. Some one, two, three days old. Some 10 years old. And that broke my heart these missionaries not only suffered and persevered for evangelization of my homeland, but they buried their children. There's a saying in Korean. If your spouse dies, you bury your spouse in the ground. But when your child dies, you bury your child in your heart. These are the missionaries who lived selfless lives, who despite losing their children because of you know, lack of immunizations or you know, some local diseases, and there aren't too many you know, good hospitals out there that they could go to, they lost their little ones, but they chose to stay. And many of their parents are buried in the same cemetery right now. And this is you know, one of the main reasons as to why South Korea has become one of the strong, you know, uh, Christian countries in the world right now. Okay? We can, uh, thank you. In uh, today's text, uh, Matthew 19, Jesus calls this young rich ruler to come and follow him. But the text says that this young rich ruler had too much And he could not accept the call from the master when Jesus said, come and follow me. Be my disciple. I'll be, I'll make you a transformation agent. But there was one condition. He says, Jesus told him to go and sell all his possessions. The text clearly says that he was young and rich and also some sort of a ruler, a politician like you know, maybe a city council member of, you know, Chicago, for instance. I mean, he, he was doing well. And he asked Jesus, what can I do to inherit the eternal life? A very important, very bold question. And Jesus goes, oh, yeah, do all these things. Do not murder, you know, do not commit adultery, you know, honor your God and, and love your neighbors. And he had guts to say, I'm doing all of those. The text says, The text says this guy loved the Lord, loved his neighbors. He honored God, and he cared for his neighbors. But to him, however, money was more important. That's something that he was not able to give up. He failed to put God first. For him, God was like number two, or maybe number three, after his earthly fame, fortune, and power. so hard to let go when you have all those things. The things of this world, the things that this world offered was too hard to give up for him, even for Christ and his mission. Jim Elliott, as many of you know, uh, was a a famous uh, missionary uh, who was killed uh, by uh, Indians in Ecuador uh, he said this he is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose he is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose and jim Elliott said this when he was only 22 as a college student he spent an entire summer you know, working in uh, Mexico as a, a short-term missionary, and then he became interested in uh, unreached people groups, meaning those people who have not heard the gospel message. So he went to Ecuador and he lived in, you know, in the uh, rainforest in the early 1950s. He married in 1953 at the age of 26, and he was killed by Indians. In Ecuador in January 1956, and he was only 29. Very short life. 29 was his life wasted. And there's a movie uh, portraying uh, his life, The End of Spear. Uh, if you have not watched it, you know, please uh, please watch it. The End of Spear. So to uh, paraphrase his statement, it would. Uh, sounds something like this. A person who dedicates his life or her life to things of this world that will vanish after he or she dies is a fool. And, and that should send an alarming message you know, to, your, to your hearts. And it's not only what Jim Elliot is, was saying, but that's what the Bible says. You are A spiritual idiot if you gain the whole world and lose your soul. Paul writes about the kingdom principle like this. I want to know nothing but our Christ and him crucified. I consider everything rubbish so I may gain Christ. Philippians 3.8. I want to share a a little bit of my uh, segment from my uh, faith journey. It was uh, eight years ago in March uh, 2005. My family moved from Southern California. Well, we lived in Southern California. My two children uh, were born uh, in Southern Cal, one in San Diego County, uh, one in uh, Santa Monica. So we lived there for 16 years. And then God moved us to uh, the to western Washington state, about uh, two hours north of uh, Seattle, right below the Canadian line, right below that uh, Canadian uh, border. And we thought it was hard. Uh, and about three and a half years ago, after we moved in the summer of 2008, I got a call from Billy Graham Center to serve as a director of ethnic ministries, meaning that uh, you know working with and for ethnic uh, people groups in the USA and uh, Canada. Ethnic people groups meaning like you know immigrants, you know like myself and refugees, international students, but also you know historically ethnic people groups like you know Latinos, uh, African Americans, and even you know. Uh, uh, Native Americans or First Nations, as they are called in Canada. And, and I broke the news uh, to our children. And by that time, you know, our kids, you know, who were 10 and 12 back then, they were well settled and then they, uh, you know, had, you know, many good friends and, you know, they were enjoying this, you know, beautiful, beautiful scenery. You know, we lived only four blocks, you know, from the beach, right? Tough life, Yeah. And uh, when I broke the news, uh, Sabrina took it really hard. I mean, she she cried on and off for three days. And and she said something that broke my heart. I think that was the thing that, number one thing that she said that hurt me the most. That was, I hate being a pastor's kid. Why do we have to move again? Why can't we stay here? I like it here. I have. Now many new friends, beautiful, wonderful neighbors. And this is what I told uh, my girl. I'm really sorry that's how you feel. But I hope and pray that someday you will understand. And that, uh, that you will someday be proud of daddy. But that was a heartbreaking thing. Then this verse popped up into my mind. Luke 14:26. If anyone comes to me and does not hate his father, his mother, his wife, his children, his brothers and sisters, yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Here's another modern version. If people come to me and are not ready to abandon their fathers, mothers, wives, children, brothers and sisters, as well as their own lives, they cannot be my disciples. I mean, as a pastor, I knew those verses before, but it never really hit me until that moment when my daughter says, I hate being a pastor's kid. Why do we have to move again? Then and there, I realized that I have to put God's agenda before my family's comfort and happiness, and that was hard. As I said, you know, I lived only four blocks from the beach. You know, I used to go and then, um, you know, do clamming year-round. You know, Manila clams and even horse clams. And, you know, I'll do, uh, you know, crabbing. I guess you don't do much crabbing here. Uh, But, uh, you know, you get the Dungeness crabs right off the pier. Now, you know, I live uh, in Aurora, in Naperville, in Fox Valley area. I go four blocks to the west. I see a cornfield, and I, I tell people, you know, the, the number one reason that uh, my family relocated to, uh, to the Chicago area from Washington State, uh, weather was not a, a consideration. Um, a- and if God loved us so much, I'm sure he would have uh, sent us to Hawaii or Virgin uh, Island as the missionaries. But thank God, you know, soon after, you know we moved our kids you know, to this area you know they made many new friends at school and church and you know they are doing really well and it's great as uh, matthew uh, 6.33, that's you know my uh, one of my favorite verses um, you know seek first God's kingdom and his righteousness and everything everything will be add it on to you. What does it mean to seek God's kingdom and his righteousness first? It means putting God's agenda, God's plan before our self-centered agenda. Uh, we had our uh, small group in a Bible study time and 15 of us you know, met and uh, we talked about our own dreams of the present and of the past and what Jesus envisioned you know, during his earthly ministry right here on the earth in the land of Palestine. What was Jesus' dream when he was alive? As today's passage says, you know, the second one, you know, be my witnesses you know, in, um, in uh, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And after he said that, He ascended into heaven. So that was the last thing that he said on his earth, on this earth. Be my witness. Be my spokesperson. Be my representative. Be my ambassador. Be my follower. And share what you guys have seen and what you guys have taught you. My family, you know, immigrated from Korea when I was 15. Uh, You know, I was barely able to speak the English language, but you know, by God's grace and plan, you know, I did not pursue the American dream. So in 1996, when I was in Southern Cal, you know, God challenged me to go to a seminary full-time. I was 31. Not that young, but not that old, right? And I was married. I was making you know, $30,000 a year as a social worker, and my wife and Debbie and I had uh, a four-month-old baby, and God put this test before my face. Drop everything that you are doing and go to seminary full-time. That means giving up my you know, $30,000 career per year salary that I was getting, that I was good at, that I enjoyed, that meant Borrowing $10,000 every year because we didn't have any savings for three years for my seminary training that meant living on my wife's single income for three years. I took that challenge. And you know what? That was one of the best decisions that I have ever made in my life because I trusted God more than my math. And in looking back, even though I did not actively Seek the American dream, you know, by choosing to follow the Kingdom dream, the destiny that God has placed in for my life, for my future. One day, I realized that God has taken care of you know my American dream. You know, I live in a in a townhouse in Aurora, two cars, used cars but reliable, two wonderful teenagers, so far. You never know, right? Um, and we even have a shichu, a dog, that never bites and that never barks. See, the American dream is never complete without a pet, right? So in looking back, in retrospect, God has given me all these things, just like Matthew 6.33, that you, know, you do my work, then I'll take care of you know, your needs that's the promise of God, right? As we briefly shared during the Bible study time this morning, you know, are you wanting to settle for a safe, comfortable and entertaining life here on this earth? Or are you striving to fulfill the mission of God? As I, you know, shared this morning, you know, I define mission as very simply Participating in the fulfillment of that dream of Jesus. The grand vision of redemption that Jesus had. Whether it's church planting, disciple making, you know, doing charity works. Just being, you know, wonderful neighbors. Evangelizing, sharing the gospel. And some of you this morning shared about, okay, now we talked about all these wonderful things that we can do. And the last thing that I said as I stepped out of the room was, now go and do it. I know it sounds like a Nike slogan, but you know what I mean. Go and do it. Go and share the message and the love of Jesus Christ and explain to you what Jesus has done in your life, how you were and how you are now because you had that encounter with Jesus Christ. And in the meantime, please remember, Sacrifices that you are making for Christ, for Christ, whether it is you know making you know offerings or you know serving as a volunteers, you know Sunday school teachers, and you know doing all these things for the church and for the community. Don't think of it as a sacrifice. Think of it as an investment, investment that you are making for the kingdom of God. It's like buying you know kingdom stocks that never go down in value. You know, some of you remember the stock market crash of you know, 2008, you know, the kingdom stocks that you buy, they always appreciate in value. Many evangelicals in the USA still tend to view mission fields in terms of geography, meaning that the mission fields are out there, overseas, you know, a thousand miles away, which is true, which is true. We still need to and have to send missionaries to the ends of the earth, to those uh, remote, you know, unreached people groups around the world. Historically speaking, from the 16th century to the 20th century, Christian missions were generally regarded as missions from the West to the rest. But in the 21st century, we live in mission at our doorsteps reality. You know, by God's grace, you know all these people groups have become. You know, all these unchristian uh, people from unchristian nations, you know, have come and settled down in our cities and communities. And those of you who have lived in in and around Sandwich have seen the demographical change. You know that has been taking place. You see more, you know, non Anglo faces, you know, Latino faces, uh, you know, African American faces. I don't know about uh, Asian or American faces yet, but uh, um, they are coming. Okay, I'm sure there are there is at least one or two Chinese uh, restaurants, right, uh, in town. Uh, they are everywhere. Uh, this is your Jerusalem, my friends. This is your Jerusalem. And evangelism needs to take place here too. All those unbelieving. You know, Christians, you know, neighbors, your friends, your relatives, co-workers, even your spouses—I mean, spouse—you have only one, right? Uh, if they are not Christians, that's your mission field, right there. On your doorsteps, even in your homes, your workplaces, you know, school campuses. Your J- Jerusalem is like a—you know—20-minute. In a 30-minute radius of your cornerstone church that you are responsible for reaching out to. And all those, you know, satellites, in you know, the counties, the uh, cane, you know, candle, you know, DuPage, you know, I live and work in DuPage County. Do you know that, you know, from 1970 to 2010, so in that 40-year period, Uh, according to the U.S. Census Bureau, the Asian population increased by 61 times, 6,100% from 1,652 Asians in 1970 to 102,000 Asians in DuPage County. According to our U.S. uh, Census Bureau, by 2043, the Anglo population in this country will become Non-majority. It's an official prediction by US Census 2043. That's about 30 years down the road. So one generation. This country, you know, the cities in this area across the USA, and even this town of Sandwich has been and will continue to change. And you have responsibility to reach out to those who look and talk differently from you. You need to advance the gospel message cross-culturally as well. And your Samaria, definitely Chicago, right? Hey, all those liberals out there. <laughs> USA is a mission field. You know, just think about what you know, Europe has become. All those beautiful churches being sold uh, to you know, Muslims and Buddhists. Beautiful cathedrals, that turned into apartments and you know, even you know, nightclubs and bars. In the 21st century, everywhere you live, everywhere you work, everywhere you drive by has become a mission field. And uh, you know, next month, uh, there's going to be uh, a conference at uh, Witten Bible. Uh, I put uh, those uh, brochures uh, out there on that you know what right <laughs> over there okay <laughs> so it's uh, a red brochure it says uh, mission on our doorsteps so if you want to know more about you know, this topic and get some training uh, it's from April 18th uh, through 20th at Witten Bible uh, so the great commission and the great commandment will not be fulfilled without doing uh, cross-cultural missions right here on our doorsteps the driving, the dividing line that used, that used to exist between you know, home missions and overseas missions is getting fuzzier and fuzzier. Okay, I'm going to uh, wrap up now. You know that when, uh, when the preacher says, uh, I'm going to wrap up now, you know that it means uh, five minutes, right? Pastor Rick Warren uh, starts his book, A Purpose Driven Life, with this uh, famous line It's not about you, your life is not about you. You were born by his purpose and for his purpose. The life you have is no longer about your personal gain, self-seeking, self-serving, and self-gratifying. It should be about God's kingdom-seeking, God's mission-fulfilling, Christ-serving life. So stop asking, what do I want from my life? If Jesus Christ is your Lord, you have to start asking this question instead. Master, what do you want me to do with my life? What do you want me to do with my life today, this week, this month, this year, for you and for others? That is the right question to ask. Let's face it. I think as one of the band leaders said during the praise time, God doesn't need our offerings. God does not need our services. But God wants to partner with you in fulfilling the dream that Jesus had, the divine plan of redemption for humanity. He wants you to get on the bandwagon and be part of it so that you will be blessed through that process compared to what Christ gives what this world offers is nothing. What matters is things and, and the memories and the people that we will bring with us to heaven when we die. All of us will die someday. just a matter of a when and how. All of us live only once. We, we don't believe in reincarnation, right? So once. YOLO, right? Y-O-L-O. You only live once. No second chance. And you have a one life to give to the cause of Christ, to advance God's kingdom, right here from your Jerusalem, in and around sandwich. There's a, a book by uh, John Piper called uh, Do Not Waste Your Life. Uh, if you have not read it, you know, please read it, uh, Do Not Waste Your Life. So start thinking about what you can do today for others starting right here from your Cornerstone Church, from your home, from your work. You start from your Jerusalem, and you expand your mission circles. Mission is not only about what all those wonderful missionaries are doing out there. Some, including myself, you know, who is a self-support-raising uh, missionary, meaning that I don't get salary from Billy Graham Center, Some are called to full-time missions as missionaries, full-time missionaries. But everyone is called to a missionary life, missionary lifestyle. Sharing the message and love of Jesus Christ wherever you are. Being the salt and light of this community and for this community. Your mission starts from right here and from your heart. Let's uh, unite our hearts in prayer, shall we? While, um, you know, eyes closed, you know, I want to give you uh, some time to examine your hearts and your minds and ask yourself, where do I stand before Christ? Are there idols in my life that I need to identify and sacrifice before the altar? And if you have been led astray by things of this world, come back. Come back to the loving arms of Jesus Christ. And if you have not accepted Jesus into your life, I want to take this opportunity to consider accepting Jesus into your heart. Just say a simple prayer like this in silence. Oh Jesus, I am a sinner. I need you. Have mercy on my soul. Come and save me. (laughs) Thank you.
1: Thank you for the cross, thank you for the price you pay, thank you for salvation, thank you for an ending grace, thank you for your hope. Thank you for this life you give. There is no one like You.
0: There is no.